Hey everyone, welcome to Every Woman's Story with Stonecroft podcast. And today I am excited about a topic that we will be diving into, a topic related to isolation. And I know there's just an upswing of people feeling like they do not have the friends that they used to maybe have in their lives to turn to, whether it was COVID or whether it was conflict or whatever got in the way that led to us feeling more isolated. And in a second, I'm going to be excited to introduce you to our host. But first, I just want to help those who are new or those who are returning to remember who we are. We are here because we believe that every woman has a seat at Jesus's table. We believe that every person has a story and your story matters. And that as we open up God's story in the Bible, that we actually discover not only more of who God is, but also who we are and what we look like as we live out our story fully alive. So that's what Every Woman's Story with Stonecroft podcast is about. And today we're going to be talking with Susie Shepard. She is the founder of Shine, creator of Stonecroft's Where Love Lives Outreach Experience. And get this, she is mom to a blended tribe of nine. Whoa. She finds great joy in creating experiences for people to know God's love. So Susie, welcome. We're glad to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Nine kids, friend. Wow. I mean, there's a little plus that there's only two left at home. So there's that going for me. That might be why you had time to be with us today. So thank you very much. Um, So one of the things that we love to do here, Susie, is we love to kind of hear the story that maybe exhibits the spark in your life where you kind of went, that's who I think I am. That's who I think I'm supposed to be. So can you tell us what's a story like that for you? What's your spark story? Well, I think that the story that um, I I would say really kind of pictures me as kind of an unexpected one. And it really isn't necessarily, well, it isn't spiritual at all. I mean, let's just be honest about it. It's not a spiritual story, but it's this beautiful hope that God can take absolutely anybody in their mess and their unpreparedness and uh, really feeling like they don't fit the bill and really use them anyway, use them in spite of themselves. And so um, this little story happened frequently, actually, but this one particular day I taught for nine years. I taught kindergarten and first grade and I had had three kiddos with me at the time. And so getting the end of the day done and getting my kids to the car with all of the bags I was schlepping and leftover stuff from kids and papers to take home and all that kind of stuff was always a project. And I inevitably forgot something in my classroom. And so I would send my oldest um, back to my classroom and then I would have to circle the school to go back home. And so he would go meet me out front. And um, he there's one particular day, this was a pattern. He went and met me out, went out to the front and I drove around and there's a stop sign in front of the school. And every day, this is so sad and so shameful, but it is the truth that God can use anybody. I drove through that stop sign and forgot my child and had to like make the loop and come back around and pick him up. And so this one day that really sticks out is he is standing next to my principal, my boss, his principal. And um, the story came back to me later that he nudged him with his elbow and said, hey, watch this before I went through the stop sign. (laughs) And he knew it was going to happen because it had happened so many times before. And sure enough, faithful to remember, you know, my five-year-old in the backseat was saying, mom, you forgot him again. But um, I love that in spite of the ridiculous everyday mess ups that I have, God shows up and, you know, he's faithful to use us at wherever place we bring him. 
I love that. Well, Susie, I am the youngest of eight. And I have to tell you, I was forgotten in places more risky and dangerous than in front of the school. So yeah, places that, yeah, you're like, does anybody know I'm here all alone <laughs> after my little ballet class? And you see, those are pre-cell phone days, right? So you're just like, oh, where, who, who am I? Where am I? Yes. Is my mom counting to, you know, the full number today? Or did she leave off at, you know, one minus? So um, I am, uh, yeah, I'm very much relating to that story. I have a feeling that I'm not the only one. So I, uh, we're going to move on into some more discovery of kind of your story and God's story. And I have the joy of introducing my co-host for this podcast, Elisa Cortez-Bast, who is a DED, which I believe stands for Doctorate of Education. I always call her Dr. Bast, but I'm just kind of a future thinker. It's oh honest. <laughs> she is the vice president of outreach with Stonecrop. She is a pastor, a professor, a wife, a mom, a mentor, and she believes in passionately pursuing God and people by developing talent, asking strategic questions, and amplifying the good. So welcome. <laughs> it's been, I think it's been a while since we did our formal introductions. I feel so empowered, Naomi. Um, so it's appropriate then that I get to ask this question. Um, Susie, thank you for opening up with that story. Um, we had one, we literally today had a similar experience with one of our kids and we got a phone call from the school. So I'm feeling that deeply today um, I'm with you in solidarity. Um, but we also just would love to know, like when you think about what makes you fully alive, like when you are at your best self and you feel like, you know, all cylinders are firing, um, you know, what does that look like for you? Can you give us an example um, for our watchers and our listeners of like Susie fully alive? What does that look like? That's a loaded question because I think there's variations of all of us, like, right, purposefully alive and joyfully alive and lovefully alive. And so um, when I think of that, I guess um, my my brain goes back to those that you just have this affection and connection with. Um, and so two, two uh, memories came to mind. One was... Um, uh, a day when I felt fully alive that I was on a boat with a bunch of friends and one of my friends didn't bother to tell me that she had never actually been on the open water, much less been rafting before. And you're uh, having a blast. And she was like kind of hanging back. And I was like, what are you doing? And she was like, I've never done this before. I'm terrified. And yet she actually, she did it with us and she was totally in and just watching her joy. And she screamed like a goat on the raft. <laughs> But it was amazing. It was so much fun. And so watching people that um, I just love and have a connection with find great joy, just that's delightful to me. Um, and the other end of that, so there's an adventuring side. I love rafting and water skiing and whitewater rapids and all those adventuresome kind of um, experiences with people I love. But then the other is the more tender conversations. Like my, one of my very favorite things is as my kids have aged, it's those conversations that go deep. Um, several of us share a book club. We read a book a month and we talk about what we're reading and how the connections are to our lives and, you know, what we believe God is doing. And oh my goodness, those conversations just bring life to me to hear the inside of them come out and be able to connect with my experiences. And that can be at a table or by the ocean or a fire. It doesn't matter where those are. Um, it's just those um, really beautiful things that you nuance in a person that you might not see just in passing in everyday experiences. So 
I love, you know, Susie, what I heard in both those stories, both those experiences was the inside coming out, you know, so whether it's like the joy that was hidden in your friend, you know, just as she was experiencing something and just what you named with your, with your kids. And so what I hear in your story is that, that, that for you is a deep place of personal joy. It's just seeing like the inside of a person come out. Would that be true? Absolutely. Yeah. It's really fun. You guys, since I read your long bio today, Elisa, you guys kind of have some things in common. I'm just noticing this like developer of people and yeah, the inside coming out in a good way, right? Not like, <laughs> not like a horror movie, not like that. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, speaking of, ins <laughs> speaking of insides coming out, um, I want to look at the story that you wrote for the Every Woman's Story community, Susie. And first of all, I really appreciate this as you talk about maybe a, a day when things uh, you learned about things falling apart and you uh, connected it to Joseph in the Bible and the day that, you know, he showed up. I don't who knows what he was thinking, but his brothers, rather than treating him like a brother, ripped off his robe and they grabbed him and they threw him into the sister in a place where he could have died. And then ultimately they sold him into slavery. And you had a significant betrayal day like that too. And you ended up with a title that a lot of our viewers and listeners either also hold, or if they don't, they have friends who do or family members who do. And that title was um, that you had never, ever, ever thought you'd have was divorced. And you found yourself in a new land feeling very alone. Absolutely. Uh, can we say honestly that a lot of women in the church who are divorced feel very alone? Um, there are a lot of ministries that are geared to families and that's beautiful. And marriage is, you know, we need all the merch, <laughs> all the nur nurturing we can get, you know, uh, and for those who don't fit the mold, they can often, I, my friends who are divorced tell me they can often feel very isolated and alone. So tell us a little bit about you know, when you move from this utter shock, your version of Joseph's brothers ripping off his his beautiful coat and throwing him into a cistern, um, into a place of seeking God. What what was the story behind this story? What kind of led led to this moment? Yeah. So I, to my experience and the way I would have told anybody else in that time, I felt like I had a pretty idyllic experience. Um. My boy's dad was a, a minister on staff at the church. We literally lived across the street. We could see the steeple out the front window. I worked two blocks behind us, like three little boys, new baby, three-year-old and a nine-year-old at the time. And um, it it really did feel like that derobing, just like complete exposure of that I did not choose or expect. Um, and it rocked my identity, just as I'm sure it rocked you know, a Joseph's identity to have this coat taken away from him. That was a part of who he was and who he'd been called and known and um, separated from his family. And so all of those things I completely identify with because it was such an identity challenge to me and to really be able to um, stop the spiraling down and stand flat footed and just say, okay, God, who am I? And who are you calling me to become out of this, that this will not define me, but it's a place where I can see you more clearly and understand your calling in my life more clearly. And, um, it really, um, 
it really happened by just sitting in a chair out by a pond and feeling like I was supposed to read Psalm 23, which I thought was dumb because it was a funeral Psalm. I already thought like I was dying. And so I was like, why that one of all the Psalms we could be reading? That's it. And yet those first few words, Lord's my shepherd. And the version I was reading said, I lack nothing. And that challenged me because I thought, wow, I really feel like I lack a whole lot in this moment where, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't really sync up with what I'm experiencing. And yet um, I felt like I heard God directly say, do you trust me? Like, do you trust me? And so he asked me that Philippians 419 was in the side margins of my Bible. And I'd been through enough years of BBS to know that said the God shall supply all my needs according to his riches. And so I was like, wow, you really are hitting this home, you know, and um, very, you know, the, the story is unpacked more deeply, but um, at the end of it, I'm sitting in the hot sun, my car runs out of gas and God is still saying, do you trust me? And he sends someone, we were out in the middle of nowhere. I had no money, no phone, no any way of contacting anybody. And this little gentleman in a red truck pulls up and he volunteers to go get gas. And because why would anybody get gas when it's close to the E? That was my philosophy. And this was, this would have been a really good time to choose to do that. But, um, but the heart of it was God was saying, I see you, I'm providing for you. This isn't about how much you can do or how many boxes you can check or make it look right. This is about me and my story lived out through your willingness to allow it um, to be seen and experienced and just trust. So um, it was not a one day transformation, but it was a one day realization of, I don't have to make this right. I don't have to fix it. And I don't have to know everything in this space. Like just knowing him is enough. That's all I really have to know to be able to go forward. Wow. So there's so many things I want to follow up on with that. Um, first of all, you naming, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to the heart here first. Okay. Before we get to the, the trust and the hope, but first of all, you naming those moments where you're like, no, nah, you know, I'm, I'm, flat-footed as you called it and just kind of really experiencing the low and I know from my experience having been a Jesus follower for a little while that sometimes it feels like people only talk about things when it's fixed when they're on the happy side of the story and I think I'd like to ask you about the you who was driving to that park what would you say to the woman who is in that place in her story where she is like oh my gosh, my world just got totally rocked. I'm in such maybe confusion, pain, numbness, you'd pick. What would you say to her? I think I would just say, you really can be at rest. Like you can simply be at rest and trust that God is just going to take you through the next right step. And it's okay to feel all the feelings and to grieve deeply and acknowledge this is deep loss. It's okay to be angry and to work through the lament of what you thought was going to be. Um, but it's not okay to decide to stay there. Like God will be with you as long as you just keep surrendering and letting him lead forward. You know, um, I don't know that I would have I won't know that I would have heard anybody at that moment though, to be honest, you know, it was just that grappling of downward spiral and, um, God was the only one in the pit with me, you know, and, um, he was faithful to stay there. Well, and so maybe, sorry, go ahead, Elisa. 
I know there's I'm, seriously, there's so much I just want to like gently lean into, right? Like follow up questions. Um, you know, I'm, it's been my experience, you know, for women in particular, where their church, where they experience divorce and they're in a church community, that it's almost like a double isolation as they try to figure out, you know, their community is trying to figure out maybe who, who do they continue to journey with? And, you know, what does that look like? And the sense of isolation when they have to figure out, like, you know, is my community leaving me behind? You know, I mean, I can't even imagine even in close proximity, you know, your house being that close. It's like, how do you, how do you find your way back to community? So for women who feel like, you know, the, the isolation of that pit, like I am, I am alone in this. I know God is with me, but I just, I miss my community. Um, can you just share a little bit about what that experience was like for you? Yeah. So actually, I think this is helpful for our listeners because um, we don't talk about it in church circles very often. We like know what to do when a woman has a baby or a loved one passes away. Like we at least show up with food and really the most striking experience for me. um, As much as I know that my church family loved me from afar and there's grace because we all don't know until we walk through it. There was an absolute silence, absolute silence. And There's no casserole for divorce, right? There's no <laughs> casserole, no meal train. You know what I mean? Like, see, that's what I hear about. There's no casserole. <laughs> there should be something. I mean, cake or something. Some kind of train should show up. Um, but that was deafening to me. And it also ended up leading into the ways that God has led me forward now. But um, I just, I do want to pull back on that a little bit because he was on staff and I didn't even hear from staff. Like I heard from no one. And so, but God called me to stay at the church. Like that was a very clear teach your boys. This is a man's decision and not a God characteristic. And he called me to stay at the church. And yet because of the silence, I had to figure out, okay, well now what? And the ministry that the singles was contained in was literally a different building than all of the married. So you feel like you're just like, picking this letter up and hanging it around your neck. And like, and I remember the step off the curb to go to that building the very first day that I was going back into Bible study. And I mean, my stomach lurched and I had this clinching fear of like, this is who I am. This is who I am now. And yet I knew that that was the enemy just pushing against. And it was really a willing to step off the curb and walk across the 20 yards to the door of the, the singles ministry and and walk inside. Um, And I did find a, a, a pathway into community by that choice. And, um, for women who are listening, um, I just, if you're walking through that, um, God has a place for you. He has someone who will walk beside you and the story in the Bible, which this is, this is a totally different story than what we were talking about, but the woman with the jars who, um, the, the collectors are coming in there threatening to take her sons because her husband has died and she's alone. And she seeks out Elisha and he says, what do you have? And she says, I just have a little bit of oil. And he says, go get the jars, you know? And so she starts pouring into these jars and it's enough to pay for her debts and, um, all of it's taken care of. Um, and it started with a cry for help. And I think women in general, but especially single moms feel an inability to cry for help because culture says, pull yourself up and go forward. And, um, to anyone who's listening, that is looking for those people, they are out there, but I just encourage you to lift your voice and, and keep looking for them and crying for help. And God will pour himself out to more than enough, um, through the people that you might not have expected. Wow. The courage of that Susie is insane. 
you know, in terms of walking across the street. And then I am drawn back to Joseph's story. And I can also invite other stories that you can think of because we talk about discovering our story as we look at God's story. Um, so Joseph, I mean, we don't, we aren't told how he went from being a cistern dweller, rejected by his brothers, um, sold into slavery, working in a household where then he's accused, you know, et cetera, et cetera, thrown into prison. How on earth did he ever recover in a sense of, I have something to offer. I still have dignity. I have a purpose. Um, you know, I, we know he did, <laughs> right? We know that he used his gifts even when he was in prison for something he didn't do. Um, what would you say to the person who's like, okay, I am wearing that identity. I'm wearing the identity of the person who goes to the Bible study of the Sunday school in the singles building. Um, it makes me think, of course, of the Scarlet Letter that most of us were forced to read um, in high school, you know, with the F Hester Prynne and the A uh, for adulteress, and, but that this is D for divorced. And um, we don't know Joseph's journey, but when you think about the things maybe in the Bible that you, that led you to trust God, that he could do a journey like that with you, mm -hmm. what, what were some of those things? I mean, you talked about Psalm 23, but before that, you knew God's character through, in part through the Bible. So yeah, what led you there? Well, the very first thing that happened that just really cemented I can trust him was the first day I was in the shower and literally just losing my mind because I'm like, what do I do? And really hiding in the shower because what else do you do when you have three kids? Um, and, um, just crying out to God, how do I raise three boys? I don't, I'm, I'm not their dad. I can't be their dad. Like this, how do I do this? And, um, literally got out opened my Bible and Isaiah 54, I believe it's 10 might be verse 11, but it says all your sons. And I had three boys at the time will be taught by the Lord and great will be your children's peace. And so I hung that in my car and my refrigerator and my school desk. And that was such a touchstone for me. And it started with simply opening my Bible, just opening it and doing that over and over again. But that was such a specific camp out in Isaiah either. Like that's not something I usually go to for solace. And here I am in Isaiah 54. Um, and yet that was so personal to me. And so, um, I would point women back to the word and to worship seeking first and God will answer you. And then often the tangible help will come from a community that you are willing to seek, um, that are his, his body. Wow. Well, that brings us to a verse that you care a lot about and, um, we like to end our time and kind of allowing people to pause, rest, rejuvenate, learn from um, God's living word. And so um, I'll, I'll read it the first time, but then Elisa is going to guide us into um, really reflecting on the, um, what we call Lectio Divina um, on this verse. But um, the verse reads very much like that story you just said, Susie, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 8. Um, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. So when you just talked about the verse God gave you, 
the day after you learned about your husband or ex-husband. Um, such, uh, what a great example of that verse. Sure. Encourages me right now. You know, we always have something, even if it's not the huge thing that can make us feel crushed in some way. So, Elisa. Yes. So for those that have been journeying for us for a while, we just invite you to just quiet yourself um, and distill yourself wherever you might find um, yourself in your car, whatever that might be. And just hear these words um, from 2 Corinthians 4, 7 and 8. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. I will read this passage again, but this time from the message translation. If you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious, precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. As it is, there's not much chance of that. You know for yourselves that we're not much to look at. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't broken. And Susie, would you like to close us reading that passage again? We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are driven, we are perplexed, but are not driven to despair. Amen. The word of the Lord. So Susie, thank you for opening up a story about isolation today and that more than that about God finding us, even when other people aren't seeking us out and maybe they're not finding us, um, even when we're in the cisterns of our lives or in the parks, like you were kind of in the middle of nowhere, about to run out of gas, that God can be trusted and his word and his provision are things that we can um experience and that a first step is getting really honest and crying out for that help and saying what our need is whether it's raising three boys by ourselves or any other situation any of us might find ourselves in today so thank you so much Susie for taking the time and the passion to to help us um, know God better because of your story really appreciate you thanks for having me this is a joy so friends, as we close out, we just want to come back to the touchstone, which is that you have a story and it matters. And that as we look at God's story and as we hear each other's stories, we can live more fully into the unique story we're each made for. And we believe that every woman has a place at Jesus's table. And we hope that you'll continue joining us and finding yours and, and celebrating it fully. So, hey, Elisa and Susie and everyone, thanks for being with us today. Thank you.